Yeah, I just want to say a special thank you to Nancy and Dane for being willing to step in also and use their gifts in another one of these unexpected situations. But it's, uh, it, as I'm finding, it often provides us with a great opportunity to grow, right, and to use our gifts. So, all right. Uh, we have been on a journey right uh, in the last few months um, through the book of First Corinthians, so if you want to grab your Bibles, we're in chapter 10 today. And so we've been learning about what it looks like to lead a consecrated life as we journey through the book of First Corinthians. That's the kind of the theme that we're looking at in this book is what does it look like to be set apart for God? And we're learning from the Corinthians as they had quite a few struggles in their church. They had a lot of great things going on, too. Uh, the Lord was really blessing their church. They had a lot of new people there. They were experiencing the Lord working in and through them. But yet there were still quite a lot of problems going on. They had a lot of questions. What, is, what does it look like to live out our lives coming from a culture of idolatry and immorality and all of those things? What does it look like to come out of that and be transformed and live a transformed, consecrated life? So in in this book, that's what Paul is attempting to do, is to explain these are some of the things that you're doing that maybe you shouldn't be doing. Uh, these are some of the ways that you can do uh, this better and be a better example and a light to the world. So last week's sermon, Pastor Gina preached. Um, it was about the eating meat sacrifice to idols and um, it was about really what it boiled down to was our rights. Um, we, we may have rights, but just because we have a right to do something doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Um, that, that was kind of the, the main point of her message last week. And that we need to lay down our rights and freedoms if, it, if that goes toward the greater good of the body of Christ or other believers. That our rights and freedoms should never be put above um, the health of others and um, being a witness to others. So that, that's kind of where, we, where we're coming from, from last week. And the passage from the passage this week, we're going um, chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. Um, that really kind of follows right directly out of the message from last week. Um, so we're going to read it first and then get into it. Uh, but just wanted to point out that the first word in this passage is for. And so that is just a connecting word that connects this section here to the last section. So it's like, OK, so what Paul was setting up there now, he's moving into this section to um, add on to his point. So it's not like a separate argument here um, or a separate thing. It's all part of the same thing that he's trying to say. So let's read this right now. So the, the, sub, the heading is called Warnings from Israel's History. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. 
their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on the evil things that they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, for it is written, The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and they were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the accumulation of the ages has come. So, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. This is the word of the Lord. So I think that the big idea from this passage here is that sin has dire consequences. And so as God's people, living consecrated lives means that we learn from the past and we pursue God's help in the victory over sin. And so uh, Pastor Jalisa's first illustration in, from her outline, because, you know, I said I, I have her outline and I got a chance to look at it a little bit and maybe put a few of my own notes in there. Uh, her illustration was going to be about her pregnancy. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm going to go a little bit different direction because I don't have uh, that experience or could not have that experience myself. Um, so I thought of a, a different way to kind of illustrate what's going on here. Uh, does anyone here like maps, like reading maps or using road maps? I know we don't have those, a lot of these anymore because we all have them on our phones, but um, I have a little bag here with some maps, and I just want to share some stories about a map because I think that um, what Paul is doing here is he's giving kind of a road map of, hey, look, at here's where the Israelites stumbled and fell. And this is what happened to them so that it doesn't happen to you. Like, check this out. You don't want this to happen to you. So I have these maps. Um, This is a big one. So for our 10th anniversary, Rebecca and I went to France. And... Because um, we were living in Romania at the time, so it was easy to hop over to France. And we spent five days in Paris, and then we drove around the country for another about a week and a half. And I was too cheap to rent the GPS that came with the rental car. Okay? <laughs> and I like maps anyway. So I got these maps. Uh, that I, we had this one and one other one. And I used these to map out our route all across the country, and we used these to drive. Okay, Uh, so I guess that was pretty adventurous (laughs) because we're driving in a foreign country where we have never been. We did not have um, cell phones or cell service there because we were just there for two weeks. So we didn't get, you know, we didn't have any phones or anything. We didn't have iPhones. And so we were kind of relying on these maps to know where to go. 
And I had looked on the Internet and kind of planned our routes using Google Maps and stuff like that. And I, I had read about, well, what did other people do when they drove from this place to this place or even what were good places to go? Um, but we hit a couple pitfalls using maps like this. Uh, and I want to share a couple funny stories from that uh, because I think it illustrates where, what kind of what Paul is talking about. So when we were going from here to here, somewhere about there, um, right on the edge of the map was a, a little uh, kind of a blip where we, we kind of got off the map and then went onto the other map. And we had a, we hit a big snafu there. So I had thought in my planning that it was just one highway from this one city to the other city. And so we're going on this highway and we go past this like exit and it's like, um, you know, like as you're driving by something, you're thinking, I think I should be going on that road. But then you, you just keep going because um, I was like, well, we don't we, we shouldn't have to exit to get to keep going here. Right. We're on the same highway. And so um, we are so we're going and we go over this huge bridge we, and we're kind of going around this town and then we come around. It feels kind of like we're going in a circle and we pass that same exit again. And then and then we really knew that we were in trouble when we went over that same bridge again. And what happened was we were supposed to exit to stay on the highway and we ended up going around this bypass around this city. And so we ended up going around there twice. And then the third time, finally, we're like, okay, we're veering off there and going off on that exit. So that was like, okay, so we weren't really following the map as closely as we should have. And it made us waste a whole bunch of time. Uh, there was another time where, you know, this is a, a pretty zoomed out map. It's, it doesn't have a lot of fine detail in it. And we were trying to use it for everything. So there was one time when the, it looked like we were coming up to this intersection and we we're supposed to go straight through the intersection. And in reality, there was just the slightest jog over in the road. And so as I'm going through the intersection, I'm going straight because that's what it kind of looks like on there. Um, we see some construction equipment. It kind of looks like like this road is not looking like it's uh, continuing on here. And then it kept getting narrower and narrower and narrower until we're driving with the just about the mirrors touching uh, a vineyard, grapes. And so it turns out that we couldn't quite see the fine detail in the map. And so we, we drove into a vineyard um, and then I had to like back out and try and get out of there and, and go. And then there was one last time where um, it was a night and we had already gone to the place where we were going to stay, but then we went, wanted to go out for dinner. And then by the time we got back from that place, it was nighttime, and so it was dark. And they have all these traffic circles in France, and we can't read the signs. And they don't all tell you where you're going. They Sometimes you just go through this, and there's like all these different exits, and you're just hoping that there's a sign pointing to the main city that you're going to. But when you're in between those cities, they don't have that. And so we thought that we were at the right traffic circle. And so we go in this one direction and all of a sudden we're getting like into the middle of this like deep, dense, dark forest. And we're like, I don't think this feels right. It feels, seems like we're not going to see Bigfoot out here or something like that, you know. 
So we had to turn around and then go, and okay, it was the next traffic circle that we needed to go on. So um, just saying, like, all these, when you veer off the map and off the path that you had planned, unexpected things happen and bad things can, can happen. You get lost, right? So I'm going to kind of walk through the text and explain why, why that's like what Paul is doing here for the Corinthians. So he's, he's starting, he's following this argument about um, their rights and them, um, their freedoms from last week. And so in verses 1 through 4, he's talking about Israel and how, okay, so we're going to take a look at ancient Israel, the forebearers of you all. And so that was the Corinthians, and that we could just as easily apply it to ourselves because there are spiritual forefathers also. And so he's saying, okay, look at these people. They were all under this cloud. They passed through the sea. Um, they ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. Uh, so what he's talking about is that when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, they had the presence of God with them in that cloud that was going before them during the day and behind them at night. Um, they were eating this manna that he was sending. They were eating the quail that God was sending. He was like miraculously providing all these things for them. And they're like, I mean, they're just every single day, they're just seeing and experiencing the miraculous. And then Paul is even saying, you know, that this uh, this rock that they were drinking water from, that that he's saying that that was Jesus Christ. Like, He's saying, look, Jesus was in the Old Testament. He was with the Israelites, um, even though he wasn't in the flesh like he was, um, that Paul saw him in the flesh and so on. Um, he was there with them, just like he's there with the Corinthians and just like he's here with us. And so he's saying these, these people were very blessed, really. And yet, when we come to verse 5, He's saying, you know, God is not pleased with them. God was not pleased with them. So why? Um, you know, he says most of them didn't make it to the promised land and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Um, most is like a really big understatement, right? Because how many of them actually made it into the promised land? How many were faithful to make it into the promised land? Yeah, Ray, two. Joshua and Caleb. They were the two people that um, trusted God enough to go into the land when God gave them that first opportunity and the rest of the people uh, didn't take that opportunity and didn't um, really didn't follow God's plan for their, their lives, what he was laying out for them. And so they all ended up perishing. But that wasn't the only thing. So why did they, why did they perish like that? Um, he says that they were always going after evil. So the, this picture that he's painting here is that is really, the word is a strong word. It's like lusted for evil. Like the, these, these people were so stubborn and their hearts were so hard that they were just lusting after whatever evil they could go after. And that's why God wasn't pleased with them and they didn't make it into the promised land. So he's listing out then a couple of different things that they went through in Israel that are paralleled with some of the struggles that the Corinthians are facing. Um, he says they were idolaters um, and they were sexually immoral. They were worshiping other gods. They were indulging in revelry. 
of sexual immorality with the surrounding people and worshiping their gods maybe at their temples and so on. Um, they had even made that the golden calf. So their hearts were uh, not fully given over to God. Uh, there was a lot of that unplowed ground that Mary was talking about. There was a lot of that in their hearts. Uh, they just weren't fully given over to love for the Lord. They were more looking for what was the most pleasurable for themselves um, and what, what could they worship that really gave them something for themselves, pleasure, worship of self and worship of body and, and of pleasure, really. And then he says they put God to the test. So they were always, you know, asking God for more, uh, even as he's giving and giving and giving this water from a rock, manna that came down from heaven, these quails that flew in when they were hungry for meat, and then, you know, gave them so much that they really didn't want meat anymore for a while. Um, they were What they were essentially saying when they were doing this was, you know, God hasn't given me enough. He's not good enough. He's not a good, good, good father like we sang earlier. Um, and they, they kept expecting more and more and more and better and better and better from him, even though he was already doing that for them. And then... Um, you know, they complained and grumbled. You know, Moses got pretty mad a few times. Um, just, you know, imagine being with a million people who are all, just always, you know, they're not focused on what the Lord is doing, but they're focused on what the Lord isn't doing for them and looking for it in other places. Uh, that would be hard. <laughs> I, know, I can only imagine uh, what that would be like for Moses leading them and what it was like for God because he was with them. And it had to be heartbreaking for him. <clears throat> so all of these sins that Paul is talking about here as a picture of what happened to ancient Israel people, they're, they're pointing towards a lack of or an apathy towards or just an unwillingness to be consecrated to God and to fully devote themselves to the Lord and to be thankful for what the Lord has done for them. And he's saying this was disastrous for them as a disastrous consequences. They all perished in the desert, which, you know, we, we might think seems really harsh, but um, sin is a devastating thing in anyone's life and in the body. Um, a, a lot of the things that happened um, then were, you know, one person's sin affected many people, and that's still still true today. All right, and then we get to verse 12. And Paul here is saying, you know, verse 12, I'm going to just read it real quick. He says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Now now he's talking directly to the Corinthians and, and directly really to us too. Um, we need to be careful. That's what he's saying. This is this is his warning. Don't think that you're doing so good without, you know, that you're just like not going to be able to fall on your own. He's saying you, in your own strength, when you don't have your eyes fully focused on God and you're trying to walk in your own strength and provide for your own needs and your own pleasures and all that stuff, you can't do it apart from God and apart from being fully surrendered and consecrated to God. He said, you know, 
the Israelites were blessed and they still fell. You Corinthians were very blessed. You know, your church is an, an amazing church. It's really where we get a lot of our examples for how to use a lot of the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, yet they had the, all these problems that they're struggling through. And we know that we're not perfect either, right? Um, even though we see the Lord working here in wonderful ways, we love to hear all the, the testimonies and the stories. Uh, we're not safe from temptation and we're not safe, we're, we're guaranteed that we're not going to fall. So we have to be on guard. That's what Paul is saying here. Be on guard against those temptations and look to the Lord for your help. And so let's take a second and just ask ourselves, based on that, what sins do we still struggle with? So I'm asking you, what sins do you still struggle with? Do we think that we can escape the consequences of sin? Even if God's chosen people of Israel, the first generation people of Israel, couldn't escape that? And Paul is saying that you Corinthians, you can't escape that? And if you think that you are standing firm, well, that is wonderful. That's what the Lord wants. He wants us to stand firm against those attacks But don't let your guard down. Continue to assess yourself and ask the Lord to show you what areas in your life you need to surrender or lay down. So, again, using those words, I I was just like, wow, what what we're sharing in testimony time is a a lot to do with this message. Ask the Lord to show you what is that unplowed ground in my life where I haven't surrendered or yielded something to the enemy because that sin, it really can be like a cancer that grows and consumes and defiles other, many others. Um, and we can't, just, we can't just get away with it. Um, God wants us to be holy and consecrated. So now we get to the end of the passage here. And uh, this is the, the part where um, we start to see some like hope. Okay, there is hope. This is this dire message of like, man, sin is bad. It's dire. It has bad consequences, and that is all true. But God is with us, and he has a plan for us. So verse 13, Paul's giving us some instructions on how to overcome temptation and to not fall into those same types of sin patterns that the Israelites did. So first of all, he says no one's temptation is unique. Our temptations that we experience aren't more special or more extreme than anyone else's. Uh, We often tend to think that, though, because we're the one experiencing it. And the enemy also wants to try and make us think that our situation is unique. And so, well, it's okay for me to do this because this is happening and no one else has ever experienced this before. But what he's saying is, actually, these are the same temptations that other people are facing and Maybe we don't talk about them, but it's happening. Everyone's experiencing the same types of temptations. The pattern's always the same. Um, The temptation isn't the sin. We got to get. We have to make sure that we get that straight because the enemy will try and tell us that. Um, We need to overcome the temptation with the Lord's help before it becomes sin. Okay. So then he's saying, okay, 
God is faithful in this temptation. He knows what we can handle. Um, just like when Satan came to the Lord and asked him if he could basically do whatever he wanted with Job. And the Lord said, well, you can, you can do these things to test him out, but you can't affect him in this way. Or you, you can do these things, but you can't take his life. He would, God is sovereign and he is the ultimate authority and he has uh, the devil underneath him. So he doesn't let us get tempted beyond what we can bear. He knows, he knows each one of us. Um, but I want to preface or say uh, along with that is he's not looking at our, our innate ability to resist sin. Because I think that's where the Israelites fell is that they were they were really trying to do it on their own they were trying to um, to do it in their own power and they just failed and failed and failed and we I'm sure that we've all experienced this when we try to resist a temptation or a sin we just keep failing and falling into the same pattern over and over and over again because if we're not looking to the Lord and asking him for the way out of that and the for where's this victory coming from we can't do it on our own so this is what he's saying. The Lord gives us a way out. And in the original language, these words actually give an image of a mountain pass. So imagine if you are surrounded by your enemies, these enemies are all your temptations, and you feel that you're surrounded on all sides and that there's no possible way out besides to give in to the sin and temptation. And then you'll have that the relief from, stop, from now the battle's done, right? Well, when we ask the Lord to give us that way out, then he shows us that mountain pass. It's kind of like um, if we were kind of lost on this map and um, we were maybe like right right here where you can see there's a whole bunch of different um, roads coming out of this town and we need to know where's the right road to go. All these other other roads maybe lead to uh, temptation or sin. And we don't know which road to go on, or maybe we don't even see a road. And we ask the Lord to highlight, it's kind of like a spiritual GPS. If I, if I actually had a phone with me and I could say, okay, get me directions to this next city. Oh, th- oh, this is where I start. Here, there it is. I didn't see that road before. Um, I, or maybe I, I just couldn't see the detail in the map. I couldn't see the road. I didn't know it was there. And then God gives us the way out. He highlights what is this way out. And every situation is different. Every situation is unique. But the Lord knows. The Lord knows us. He knows what the situation is. And he knows what um, what the way out of it is. So I think for me that is very encouraging and hopeful. And I hope it is for you too. And what he's saying is we don't have to end up repeating the mistakes of the Israelites. We don't have to do that. It's not, uh, it's not our destiny to repeat those mistakes and to keep falling and, and really being coming under punishment because of that. Uh, the Lord has a better way for us. He has a way out, and that's what he's calling us to do, is focus and fix our eyes on him. And this is what, um, this is what it looks like to be consecrated to him, is to keep our eyes on him, and to, uh, man, when we get tempted, when we get hit, when we hear lies about ourselves, the enemies telling us things that aren't true, we take it to the Lord first. 
and ask him for the way out. Um, we just we need to be connected with him and have a close relationship with him. And just remember, don't let the enemy make you think that there's no way out besides giving in. Because there is. The Lord has it. And he knows what it will be for each and every one of us. And you know why, why he's telling us this? Because we're the light of the world. We have Jesus Christ in us. And the world needs to see that. The world needs to see a light that is pure and clear. Not one that is fogged up and dirty and sin-stained. Now, I know none of us are perfect, right? Jesus knows we're not perfect, but he is. And so he wants us to grow in overcoming temptation and living in victory over sin and being a light to the world and not being tarnished by that sin and the sin patterns that the world has faced and that we've faced. So I just pray that as you go out from here, that the Lord will give you victory in your lives. And I pray that you would be asking the Lord as you go from here, Lord, what are, what are some of those areas in my life, maybe that are unplowed areas of my heart, maybe some sin patterns that I've been struggling with, and how can I get out of those, Lord? Give me a way out. And then to start to practice that on a regular basis. So let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, that you give us this story and the example of the Israelites, even though it's a, a negative example. Um, you're just helping to show us that you have a better way for us, that you've poured your spirit out on us and that you live in our hearts, Jesus. And that with you, we can overcome, not on our own strength, but with you. We overcome. And so I pray today, Lord, that you would help us each to overcome, help our lights to shine brighter. Lord, bring restoration to areas that have been overcome by sin in our lives. Bring conviction of sin and fill those places with your love, Lord. We know that you don't uh, want to condemn us and you don't condemn us when we're in you. We just pray that you would give us victory over sin so that we can be a light to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.